Good morning and welcome. We are a Christ-centered community here at Grace focused on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and sacrificially serving Jesus. We are here because of him and what he has done, and so uh, we are so thankful for him and to be able to worship together. We're excited because in a couple weeks we're going to be back inside. Uh, So we're very excited about that. And there's a card telling you everything that's happening that morning. So uh, you can see on the front here what's happening on June 6th. And then on the back, you can see all the things that are coming up this summer. So I want to mention a few of those. Next Sunday is our all-church barbecue here at church. So if you like barbecue, if you like games, if you like people, if you like any combination of those things, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time together. We'll have some worship together as well. So uh, tomorrow, or I'm sorry, next Sunday uh, afternoon, we'll have our all-church barbecue. Then we have our quarterly men's event coming up on June 12th. 
please sign up for that, and we need helpers. So we need kitchen helpers, we need setup helpers, we need servers. Uh, so when you sign up, you can also let us know if you can help for that. Also, we have Vacation Bible School coming up this summer, and if you are volunteering or would like to volunteer for that, there is a training meeting right after third service at 1.30 this afternoon. So join us if you'd like to help with Vacation Bible School. And also, if you uh, can catch a theme here, we have some service opportunities coming up. We've got, we need help with audio visual, so everyone that makes everything happen on Sunday morning, we need help with that. We need help with the connecting team, which is greeters and ushers and all things uh, with helping people get connected here at Grace. There's actually a meeting Thursday night, so if you're interested in helping with the connecting team, you can uh, sign up online or just show up on Thursday night here. We need help with early childhood as well. So all of these opportunities to serve, you can just go on the QR code and put in serve at Grace, and we will connect with you and help you find a spot to serve. Well, this morning, we are going to begin with Psalm 40. Uh, if you are able, would you stand? And we're going to read from Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And Father, we ask today that you would help us to see you and fear you and put, your trust, put our trust in your name. We worship you and praise you in the name of your son, Jesus, and we pray this for his honor and his glory this morning. Amen. It's a joy to see you this morning. If you're joining us from the live stream, welcome. We're going to start by singing Save My Soul. Will you join us in singing? Then you, my God, have saved my soul.
rescued me, the bread of life. You brought me up out from the grave. I'm bursting out with songs of praise. What once was dead is now alive. You gave to me the bread of life. You brought me up out from the grave. I'm bursting out with songs of praise. I'm bursting out with songs of I'm bursting. I'm bursting out with songs of praise. In you, my God, have saved my soul. I am yours forevermore. I won't be moved up this I'm sure. You, my God, you saved my soul. Amen. Join us in singing Ancient of Days. Starts with Though the Nations Rage. Yeah. 
I may not. Though I may not see what the future brings, I will watch and wait for the Savior King. Then my joy complete, standing face to face in the presence of the Say 
will wait with patience. Wait with patience now. All those who long to join their Savior in heaven and let's a glorious time will come when all will join the song in one loud voice. turn to John chapter 14 this morning. Pastor Mike's going to be preaching from John 14 verses 16 and 17, and so that's what we'll read together now. John 14, starting in verse 16, Jesus is speaking and he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You may be seated. We're going to pray together this morning and uh, we want to remember today uh, we have a number of our youth that are serving in various capacities um, J.P. Wright and Ali Tierney are up at Hume. Adra Hammond is going to be serving locally with uh, some foster youth, and there's lots and lots of other uh, things that our youth are doing this summer, and so uh, we just want to remember them and pray for them this morning. So uh, would you pray for, with me this morning for them? Father, we praise you for all that you are. You're good and kind loving and strong and gracious, you're merciful, you're patient, you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, you keep your faithfulness to thousands of generations of those who fear your name. Lord, we ask that you'd help us understand more of who you are and that that would be impressed on our hearts, we would have a deeper love for you this morning. And Lord, we want to repent and turn away from all the things that we look to to satisfy us instead of you. Help us to chase after you alone, to be satisfied in you alone, to, to lean all of our hope and joy in you alone. We, we turn away from and we reject all of the idols in our lives. We, we turn ourselves into an idol, our own pleasure, our own 
the things that, that we want and long for that we think will give us deep satisfaction. And we turn away from those this morning and we want to turn towards you because you are satisfying and good and kind and true and righteous. And Lord, thank you that in Jesus we have hope that we can be cleansed, that we can be made new, that we can be right with you. And so we, we rejoice in that this morning. Lord, we ask that you would bless our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, we think of all the small gatherings of believers, even here locally, that we don't even know about, but they're faithful and they love you and they're loved by you. And, and we pray you would encourage and strengthen and build up your body, both here locally and, and out to the ends of the earth, Lord. We pray that we would be able to express our unity with them in a way that shows the world the power of the gospel. Lord, uphold our brothers and sisters that are suffering, that are persecuted, that are hated for the sake of your name. Give them strength and endurance. Lord, we pray for uh, our youth that are serving this summer, and some in ways that are seen and known, some that are completely unknown, um, some that are organized, some that are just within their own home. We pray that you would uh, cause them to have a deep and true love for you and for the people that you placed in their lives. Teach them to serve uh, with a heart that is like yours. Lord, teach all of us to serve and to love one another and then to take that love out to the world as we, as we live and we share the gospel. Lord, we want the truth to go to the ends of the earth so that those who don't know you would come into right relationship with you and have joy and eternal life in Christ. We pray this in his name and for his glory forevermore. Amen.
great God. And oh, great God of highest heaven, glorify your name through me. Jesus, thank you that you promised to nourish and cherish your church. We ask that through people and through your word and through true music and through a beautiful day. Thank you for that. Just through all these things that you would prove true and faithful to that promise to nourish and cherish your people here uh, worldwide, um, that the body would be built up in love and, and see and know you more. We pray all these things because of Christ. Amen. Today we are in John chapter 14. Go ahead and find that in your Bible. It was Jesus in the upper room with his disciples before he went to the cross telling his disciples of things to come, what they would experience. He tells them about the Holy Spirit to be set in his name and empower them for a life of ministry as witnesses of Christ. And there are two misunderstood truths, two misunderstood realities that are very clear in Scripture that God wants you to grasp, that we really must set our minds upon if we would please God and if we would surrender to his sovereign sufficiency. And they are the Holy Spirit and the will of God. The Holy Spirit and the will of God. And so today I am preaching on understanding the Holy Spirit, next week on understanding the will of God. Some things I will not address today uh, will get addressed next week. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would transform us as we behold the glory of Christ, the beauty of Christ in Scripture, and seek to glorify God. You know what happens? You know sometimes you can't find your keys, and you're searching all over the place, and you realize they're like in your pocket. Or have you ever had it where you can't find your sunglasses? and you're looking everywhere, and they're on top of your head. That's how some people are with the Holy Spirit. They, they are looking for something, and they don't realize it's right there in front of them. In the pages of Scripture, and in their experience of living as doers of the Word, and what has happened is they have been given some teaching about the Holy Spirit that isn't rooted in Scripture, some, some false teaching or some kind of crooked teaching on the Holy Spirit, and they fail to see what's right there in front of them in the Bible. And so they go on some kind of wild goose chase, trying to find a needle in a haystack, searching for something they think they need to get, because they've been told this is what it means, you know, to walk by the Spirit or to be filled with the Spirit or whatever. And what they, real, they don't realize is all the time the truth's been right there in front of them. So I hope today that you will see that the Holy Spirit is God with you and in you, empowering you to do Christ's work. That's if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that the Holy Spirit is God with you and in you, empowering you to serve him. I hope that you will see that, that you will see that God has given us his magnificent and powerful promises, that he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. 
And this is very crucial for us to grasp, especially in the times in which we live. I mean, you can, you can just take headline news anytime, just peruse the headline news really in any era, and it's always filled with human depravity. It's on display all the time, but especially obvious to us today. Anybody with eyes and ears would know. Internationally, just upheaval all the time in every age. Recently, it's the Israeli-Palestinian clashes. It's Hamas terror attacks. Now, the subsequent ceasefire. I don't know how many ceasefires in the Middle East I have heard about in my lifetime. Always ongoing unrest on the international scene. Nationally, you've got this American socio-political moral upheaval in the social realm, literally just turning everything upside down, seeming reversal of every moral standard. And personally, you've got your daily battle with sin, which is enough to, uh, you know, to keep everyone busy. It's a full-time job. Spiritually, there's a waning Bible knowledge among people who say they're believers. A lot of people say, I'm a Christian. I follow the word, but they, they believe all sorts of outlandish things that aren't in the Bible, and they actually align themselves with those things while they're professing to be a Bible-believing Christian. There's an in increased twisting of the Word of God. So what do you do with all of those issues? You know, here is life that's very confusing. What a believer needs to do is understand who God is and what He does. He is in control. He is all we need. We go to the Word for guidance. And this passage we're in today really contains information that we need about the Holy Spirit that will give joy to your soul as a believer, that will give you assurance of God's works and ways. It is truth God has spoken. It is truth we need. It's truth every Christian needs about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God with you and in you, continuing Christ's work, empowering you to do Christ's work. Now, we're in John 14, and in John 14, Jesus had begun by basically saying, look, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this was the number six of seven I am statements where Jesus makes these in John's gospel, basically saying, I am God. I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life goes on in chapter 15 to say, I am the true vine. And he basically tells his disciples, they're in the upper room, starts in John chapter 13, it's before he goes to the cross, and he's telling them, look, from now on, and he says this in John 14, 7, from now on you know the Father. They're asking him, show us the Father. And he says to them, you know God because you know me. I'm God. And, and he's basically saying, look, uh, my death and resurrection is coming, but to know me is to know God. And then he says in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because love for Jesus is, is uh, inseparable from obedience. Whoever loves Jesus must obey him. And he says, my commandments, and that's the entire revelation from the Father, the entirety of Scripture. So for those who love Christ, this is aimed at those who love Christ, evidenced by obedience to Christ, Jesus is now going to promise some supernatural blessings that the world doesn't get to enjoy. This is only for believers. This is like when we come to the Lord's table 
and you do what is called fencing the table, and you say, look, what we're going to do now, taking the bread and the cup, we are going to celebrate the Lord's death in our behalf on the cross when he shed his blood in our place to pay for our sins. He died and was risen. He's coming back. And this, what we do at this table is only for believers. Well, what Jesus is saying here is only for believers, only for those who love Christ, evidenced by obedience to Christ, he gives these supernatural blessings that the world does not get to enjoy, only for believers. And this passage gives us three truths. They'll help us understand the Holy Spirit. Let me just give them to you right off the bat. The first truth is that the Holy Spirit is the promised helper of Christians, the promised helper of believers. The second, the Holy Spirit is the present teacher of believers. So the promised helper, the present teacher, and then the Holy Spirit is the powerful leader of believers. The powerful leader of believers. And we'll just go one by one through those as we go through this passage. And the first truth that gets brought out, because Jesus says now, I'm going to ask the Father, and he is going to give you something. Actually going to give you someone. And so the first truth, the Holy Spirit is the promised helper of believers. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another helper. The point is the Holy Spirit was promised by God because he is God, and we worship, by the way, a triune God, triune Jehovah. We worship the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God in three distinct persons. And the heart of faith is believing the mystery of the Trinity. Trinity, that word is not in the Bible. It's a, it's a Latin word, Trinitas, means threeness. Christianity rests on the doctrine of the Trinity. The uh, Trinity is something I, I preached on five sermons in early 2000, before COVID happened. You want to go back and look at those. But in the, tri the triune God has clearly revealed himself in Scripture and we're going to see God the Holy Spirit here, but we need to remember where, where John has gone in his gospel already. If you go back to John chapter 1, he basically began his gospel throwing us into the deep end of the theological pool, deep end of theology, throws us straight into it in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's introducing us right away in this gospel to the mystery of two distinct persons in the Godhead, the Father and the Son. The Word is a person in fellowship with God who was himself personally and eternally God, the only Son of the Father. And he's putting this out there right away because you can't understand Jesus of Nazareth unless you understand that he is God, that he is the Son of God. And now in John 14... He's giving more info regarding the plurality of the persons in the Godhead. Now, remember, this is an account, the upper room discourse, John 13, and it begins it, and now in chapter 14, he's giving his last talk to his disciples, explaining to them, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Uh, I'm going to go on now, and he's going to promise them the gift of another comforter. And he says in verse 16, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask priestly intercessory work of Christ, asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit 
to indwell people of faith. And he says another comforter. This is very significant. He doesn't say, I'm going to ask him to send the comforter. He says, I'm going to ask him to send another comforter, another of the same kind, someone like Jesus himself who will take his place and do his work. And the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, in the same essence of deity, perfectly one with him and with the Father, this other comforter, another comforter, uh, someone who is personal, a remarkable comforter, a counselor, a helper, an advocate, a friend, an encourager, a support, an assistance, someone who would take responsibility for your welfare. For example, if you're a believer today, the Holy Spirit has taken responsibility for your welfare in life. He's not going to go do your job for you every day, but he's going to empower you to do your job. He has taken responsibility for your eternal welfare. So Jesus promising another comforter implies that he is the original comforter, that he is the original comforter who is now going to have the the next comforter come, and the new comforter's job was to continue his ministry. And that just makes me say, wow. Like, wow. Look at what God is going to do. We already know that Jesus promised to be with us always, that he indwells us. And now we are finding out that we are indwelt with all of God when we become a believer. Like, you don't have to think, well, let's see, um, I need to pray to the Father so he can send the Spirit kind of flying in like a dove to help me in my life. When you become a believer, you have all of God with you all the time, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some people will say, am I supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit? I wouldn't even ask the question. You know why? First of all, there, there are the examples in Scripture are you pray to the Father. There are examples of praying to Jesus. There's no examples of praying to the Holy Spirit. But when you are praying to the Father, when you are praying to Jesus, you are praying to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all one. They're all together. They're not all separate. They're not in different locations. They're all omniscient and omnipresent and they're almighty, God almighty, one God in three persons. And Jesus is saying, now th- this other comforter is God. And he makes it very clear. He makes it very clear because he goes on to name the new comforter, the Holy Spirit. He says the spirit of truth. Then he calls him the Holy Spirit. I think Jesus' favorite name for the spirit is the, Holy, is the helper. But the name refers to deity, to God almighty. It takes you even back to the Old Testament where God's word and his spirit are parallel ideas. And God's word is his almighty speech. God's spirit is his almighty breath. And both convey the idea of God's power in action, God at work. The spirit and breath of God are together in the record of creation. We see in Genesis 1-3 that the spirit Literally, the breath of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, and then there was all that he created. Psalm 33, 6 tells us that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath, or the spirit of his mouth, all their host. So now, what you have John doing is telling us spirit is God. He tells us at the beginning of the gospel that the word is God. Now he's telling us the spirit is God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all God. Calls him the Holy Spirit, 
Later, he calls the Father, Holy Father, in John 17 as he's praying. So what this clears up is that you shouldn't think that the Holy Spirit is some force or power that you need to grab onto and then use in your life. The Holy Spirit is going to use you to fulfill God's purposes in your life, and he is personal. The Bible speaks of him as having intelligence and a will, as speaking and searching and commanding and testifying, revealing and striving even, and making intercession for us, praying for us. That the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Not a force or a power that you need to grab hold of. The Jehovah's Witnesses, when they were putting together their New World Translation, wanted to make it say what they wanted to say to fit their man-made ideas, and so they changed the wording. Instead of the Holy Spirit, they just said Holy Spirit. They wanted to say that the Holy Spirit was merely a force or a power. But the Spirit of God is God, a powerful, personal being living in every believer a person that you fellowship with. You can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, enjoying the Holy Spirit because he is God with you. He is greater and able to do more than you can ask or think. Romans 8 tells us the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought. And the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit knows you. The Spirit knows you perfectly. The Spirit knows you completely because the Spirit is God. The Spirit even uses the personal pronouns about himself, saying, I. The Spirit is referred by the Son as God, and he testifies about the Lord Jesus, guides disciples, discloses truth, future events even, and glorifies Christ. The the, the Holy Spirit is said to be speaking in a vital way, speaking powerfully as as he intercedes for the elect and as he inspires Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God spoke through those who wrote the Bible. The Spirit knows things. The Spirit knows God's infinite thoughts because the Spirit is omniscient, all-knowing. The Spirit wills things. The Spirit gives gifts to believers as he wills. You don't just go up to the counter and say, I want this spiritual gift. The Spirit of God, God himself, gives you the gifting that he desires for you to have. He is the helper. Helper literally means the one called alongside to help. How's the idea of someone who comes alongside like you're running a race, and they're saying, you can do it. I'm with you. Let's go. And, and the Holy Spirit's task is to bring the works of God to completion in creation and redemption. As you see in, jo- in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Job 26 says, by his wind, by his Spirit, the heavens were made. Mary got the news that the Holy Spirit would would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her. Therefore, the child to be born would be called Holy, the Son of God. And here in John, you have Jesus explaining to believers the Holy Spirit who brought the incarnation about. Ephesians 2 tells us that in him, In Christ, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit doing the work of God. The Spirit continues the work that Jesus 
started. In the Old Testament, God was promising all the time to save a people for himself. God has always saved the same way anyone who's ever been saved, Old Testament or New Testament, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Redeemer alone. In Jeremiah, it was promised that this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. In those days, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. Ezekiel says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit, God says, I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh, give them a heart of flesh. He says through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my words. God is always saved in the same way, and the Holy Spirit, the scriptures tell us, saves. The Bible word is also regenerates. In the New Testament, one of the most important works of the Holy Spirit is the work of regeneration, by which he changes the disposition of your heart and dwells within you forever, basically brings you to faith in Christ. You look at the Old Testament, you couldn't get born again apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did his work of regeneration then, he does it now. He works for the salvation and the sanctification of Old Testament saints as they were looking forward to the Redeemer. And now he does. Whoever comes to faith in Christ, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. If you go back to John 3, you'll notice when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, the teacher of the Jews, he was a bit afraid, and he asked Jesus a question. How can you, basically makes a statement, how can you do these things unless God is with him? Jesus says in John 3, 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus misunderstands and says, am I supposed to go back up into my mom's womb and be born again? He's not getting it. Jesus even says, wait, you're the teacher of the Jews. Not, you don't get what I'm saying? He'd been promising this in the history of redemption. You see it in the Old Testament being promised. That God is going to do this. And he goes on. Jesus says, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. You must be regenerated. The Bible tells us that God causes believers to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Peter 1.3 Jesus himself says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And you see this regenerating happen where God takes the dead and makes them alive. Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. God made you alive together with Christ. He gives the Spirit to do this. God's authority and sovereignty creates a thing of beauty. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come because God has brought them about. And he's bringing about a thing of beauty as he regenerates a soul so that you will want to come to faith in Christ, that you will want Christ, that you will want to obey him, that you would love him because God makes the dead alive. He brings the dead to new life. He doesn't just bring you like up almost to the front of the line and says, now you gotta walk the, the last three or four steps. That's how Pelagius heretically taught it, right? Uh, we have to do something. No, God saves by grace through faith in Christ. 
We didn't choose Jesus. He chose us. God caused us to be born again. He was chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So if you become a believer in Jesus, it's because the Spirit of God did a work of regeneration in your heart. It's, it's what's known as a monergistic regeneration, work of one. God did it. God's work alone. He made the dead to live. And once you're alive in Christ, now you want to believe and follow and trust and obey by the Spirit through the Word of God. In the book of Acts, you see the chronological record, really, of the impact that the Spirit-empowered disciples had upon the world. And you see all these, these miracles and these abundance of spiritual miracles happen. In the Old Testament, uh, that, that power of God was only given to some believers, prophets and other people of God. But in the New Testament, all believers are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Everyone gets the Spirit. Back in the Old Testament, God had told Moses, you know, select 70 men, elders of Israel. And he took the Spirit on Moses. He anointed those 70 to help him. Joshua objects because Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Moses says, are you envious for my sake? Would that all of God's people would be prophets, that he would put his spirit upon them. And by the time you get to Joel, the prayer of Moses is now prophecy. And Joel says God, in the future of redemptive history, would pour out his spirit, not just on 70, but the whole community of believers. Every believer would be indwelt by the Spirit of God. And at Pentecost, it happened. God fulfilled that prophecy and poured out that power upon all that were present and were chosen, all that God caused to, to come to him. And there is this distinction between the ministry of the Holy Spirit to believers before and after Pentecost. If you look on the calendar, on a church calendar, you'll notice that today is Pentecost Sunday. Acts 2 is where it's recorded of what had happened. In those days, Jerusalem had swelled to five times its population from literally 100,000 to 500,000 people. It's mind-boggling how many people were there. And they were there to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, the harvest of wheat grain and the Jewish Passover and the first fruits of wheat. And you count 50 days, you count seven weeks. And 40 days after of the festival, there was this ascension of Christ. Ten days later, day 50, Pentecost. Jesus, the first fruits from the dead, pours out the Spirit. And some mock. They say they're, they're, they're drunk. But some wondered and were amazed. And they're hearing in their own languages the mighty deeds of God as the apostles were speaking the, the, the gospel in their languages. And that day, 3,000 were saved. 3,000 uh, chosen by God that were regenerated and they came to faith. And, and Acts 2 tells us, as many as the Lord called to himself will come to him. Even in Acts 19, you see some Old, Test, Old Covenant believers who had not received the Holy Spirit so in, its, in the unique fullness and intimacy that God intends for every believer. The significance of Pentecost is that there is regeneration and sanctification and indwelling from the day of Pentecost onward, you received the power of God to carry out your task as a believer in the world. And to honor the Spirit of God, to honor what the Spirit says in the Word, you need to eliminate from your life all that disagrees with that, with God's Word. To stand firm on God's Word, 
even though everything else is like shifting sand. You don't say, wow, why are things like this? I can't handle this. No, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have God with you if you're a believer. The Holy Spirit is a powerful comforter promised to believers as a gift, and the Spirit unites you to Christ. You know, J.I. Packer said this about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the Cinderella of the Trinity, neglected and abused and an afterthought to many. That's, a lot, that's why so many Christians are out searching for who knows what, because they were told the Holy Spirit will do this, that, or the other in their life, and they neglect to see what the Bible says right in front of them about the Holy Spirit. See, when you understand the Holy Spirit, you worship him as God. Jesus said in John 15, when the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, proceeding from the Father, he will bear witness to me, of me. Michael Reeves said this, my, my new life began when the Spirit first opened my eyes and won my heart to Christ. That was how it started. And, and the new life goes on, revealing the beauty and the glory and the kindness of Christ to me. And the Spirit kindles in me an ever deeper and more sincere love for God. Less self-obsessed and more Christ-obsessed. If you want to know if the Spirit of God is at work in your life as a professing believer, are you becoming less self-obsessed and more Christ-obsessed? That's good proof because the Holy Spirit is the promised helper of believers. That's the first truth we see in this passage. Let's move on to the second truth. The Holy Spirit is the present teacher of believers. So Jesus says that this other helper will be with you forever. And verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world doesn't get this blessing, the world doesn't know this, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. The present teacher of believers, the spirit of truth, that the Holy Spirit is present with believers and he inspired the scriptures, and today what he does is illumines the scriptures, helps you understand the scriptures. A lot of Christians get confused between inspiration and illumination. God inspired the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, the Word of God. We have 66 books, Old and New Testament. But now we take the Word and we read it, and the Holy Spirit illumines it to our hearts. That's what Paul was praying when he said that, that, the, that God would open the eyes of your heart. This is why we, we read from the psalmist saying, open my eyes that I would see wonderful things in your word. The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. You know what that means? He's the source of truth. Communicates truth to his own. Apart from him, you cannot know God's truth. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot know God's truth. Jesus even said, look at verse 18, I won't leave you as orphans. He's talking about when he dies. And he says, I, I'm not gonna leave you alone. And then he says in verse 18 and 19, I will come to you and you will see me. After the resurrection, they're gonna see him. There's no record of any unbelievers seeing him after he rose. 
He appeared to many believers. But the sending and the indwelling of the Spirit at Pentecost, Jesus would be with them. The Spirit would be with them. The Father is with them. God is with you. God is with you. If you're a believer, you can be confident today that God is with you. He's not leaving you. He's not leaving you by yourself. He's not leaving you all alone. He's not forsaking you. He's not saying, well, you know, you haven't been good enough. You haven't been obedient enough. God is with you always. Jesus promised that. I am with you always. And now he's saying, the Spirit is dwelling with you. The Spirit who inspired Scripture, this unchanging truth of the Word of God. In fact, in John 14, go to verse 26. He says, when the, when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And there are so many Christians who take this out of context and say, I don't need the Bible. The Holy Spirit's going to teach me everything as I'm walking along the road, and he'll bring to my remembrance all that the Spirit said to me. This is about the, the Holy Spirit being sent by Christ to teach the disciples all truth and save them from sin and remind them of what they've been taught and reveal the rest of what the Lord wanted them to learn. These disciples that didn't understand a lot of what Jesus was saying when he was with them. And the Spirit of God is energizing the hearts and the minds of the apostles in their ministry and helping them to produce the New Testament. That's what that verse is about. They did not understand so many things that Jesus taught, but because of this supernatural work, they understood the Lord, they understood his work, they recorded it in the Gospels, the rest of the New Testament. This is the promise. Christ's original disciples would have been able to, to speak as the mouth of Christ. Just as the Old Testament prophets would speak, thus says the Lord, the New Testament apostles, in their speaking, in their writing, said, thus says the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. In the past, God inspired his word, and now in the present, he is illumining his word to believers. He's giving you understanding of the word, and many confuse inspiration and illumination. We got to get it right. God takes the word and helps you understand it. We are living in a time of Christian chaos and just people chaos. And Christian chaos is just everything all over the board and, and, and not, as, not many sticking right to what the Word says. In a time of everybody chaos where it seems like everyone's just doing whatever is right in their own minds, and when everybody does that, they're doing what's wrong. And we have a, even a, the, the church of Jesus Christ has been infected by these ideas, this relativism and subjectivism and deconstructionism. We need more objectivism. We need the word of truth. God's word stands. You know, you don't do you if you're a Christian. You don't live your own truth if you're a Christian. People will say that all the time. You do you, live your own truth. No. If you live your own truth, then you're going to have to live by that and then live by your own justice, which will be warped. No, what you do is you cling to the inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, conscience-binding, perfect word of God and trust the Spirit of God to 
to give you understanding of the word as you behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed from one image to another, that you are being transformed into the image of Christ more and more progressively. The Holy Spirit is with you always, and he who inspired the word of God illumines scripture to you, helps you understand it, gives you understanding, God clarifying scripture to our sinful minds, and helping, we have finite minds, and he makes it understandable to us. It takes you right to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God. The Greek word is theopneustos. It's inspired by God. God breathed the word, breathed into by God. In those days, the rabbis taught that the spirit of God rested on and in the prophets and spoke through them. And the words did not come from them, but from the mouth of God himself. And they spoke and wrote in the Holy Spirit. The early church was in 100% agreement with that. But you look on, and it says that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. And here's where the illumination comes in. Proving and convicting and refuting error in your heart and correcting you and setting things right and instructing you and training you in righteousness so you understand God's desires and you desire what he wants. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 19, verse 8, that the word of God enlightens the eyes. That's why the Psalm 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It was Paul writing that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know, that you may know the truth, you may know the word, that you may know the will of God, as we'll look next week at the will of God. The spirit of God is a powerful teacher with believers and, and bringing out things of beauty. Richard Sibbs put it this way, the very beholding of Christ is a transforming sight, the spirit that makes us new creatures that stirs us up to behold this servant. It is a transforming beholding. You look upon the love of God and of Christ in the gospel, and it will change you to be like God in Christ. That's what the spirit of God does. The spirit makes his new creation beautiful. The fall, Genesis 3, plunged us into ruinous sin, ruinous death. But every believer is being remade in Christ. The fall is being undone by the Spirit of God, and every believer is being beautified. You might not feel very beautiful in Christ today, but God is making your life a thing of beauty in his sight. And even one day he will transform our physical bodies to be like Christ's glorious resurrection body. But what the Spirit of God is doing now in every believer's heart is untwisting your sinful, hell-bent soul full of selfish sin and taking your eyes off of you and setting them upon Christ. The Holy Spirit is with believers, present, teaching, sanctifying, sustaining beauty, the Spirit does biblical things. You must yield to the biblical working of God. You know, every, day, every Sunday, I look forward 
through the Lord's day, being with the Lord's people for the preaching and the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word, the only perfect part of the worship service. And the Spirit of God using the word of God in the lives of the people of God for the glory of God. And he doesn't just do that when we meet. He does that often. He does that daily. He does that when you gather your family around and open up the word of God together. He does that when you just open the word and read it or listen to it. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is God. If you're a believer, he is God with you and in you, empowering you to serve Christ. That makes a difference in your life story. That makes a huge difference. That You apply the authority of the Bible no matter what anyone says about it. God's word is eternal. God's word is true. He means what he says. He'll do what he says. So you honor the Spirit of God who gave the Bible by clinging to the word of God. And the Holy Spirit makes a difference in your faith. You know, there would be no Old Testament, no New Testament, no Christians, no church without the Holy Spirit. So you receive the word with reverence and the receptivity that is due the Holy Word of God. That's how you honor the Spirit, our comfort, our help. In Acts 9, we read of the Spirit working in the church. Acts 9.31 says the, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up, going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Your heart can be comforted by God, the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 says whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That comfort in Acts 9, that encouragement in Romans 15, the same word, paraclesis, the one called to our aid, the one called to our side, the one who encourages us, the one who comforts us, the Spirit of God takes and applies the word to our hearts. Some of the, my experiences with the Holy Spirit might be helpful for you to hear, but sometimes it's just as simple as praying Scripture or singing Scripture and allowing that to wash over my soul. Or just those moments where I just call out to God for help. Just calling out to God for help, knowing I'm indwelt with the Spirit of God who is helping me, who is interceding for me. I, I think of how many times the Holy Spirit has brought things to my mind that I have read in the Word of God that comforts my heart, that directs me, that helps me in the moment. I, I think about how many times the Holy Spirit has had it perfectly timed where I'm reading something and that applies so directly to what I'm going through right then. And I think what happens is sometimes we write so many things off to coincidence that are really providence. God providentially orchestrating all things, all, 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 all happenings in your life, that there aren't any chance happenings. That, you know, going back to the idea of you can't find your keys and they're in your back pocket the whole time or in your purse or wherever you keep them and you don't know where your sunglasses are but they were on the top of your head the whole time. Believer, God is making all things new in Christ, which means that in your life right now, the Holy Spirit is making his new creation beautiful. And again, even if you feel ruined, even if you feel ruined right now, you are being renewed in Christ. So many things happen in life. In a moment's notice, things can change. You get news from afar that someone's been in a terrible accident. You get news that someone has cancer. You get news that you lost your job. You get news that 
something fell through, if you're a believer, trust the Holy Spirit who is God, God with you and in you, who is empowering you to serve Christ through every moment of life. Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are working in us and through us as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We praise you, Lord, that it it is you who is at work in us to will and do your good pleasure. We thank you, Lord, that you are renewing us. You are making your new creation beautiful. And we want to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we close singing Jesus Messiah?
Messiah, Lord of all. All praise to Jesus Christ. So good to be with the people of God today. I was uh, kind of uh, chuckling when I went off the st- went over there before this song, only because first hour I was preaching and got to uh, the point I stopped here, and I thought, oh, we'll get to the third point next week. And I told him that, and then I told this story off the top of my head that just popped into my head. So as I was preaching a few minutes ago, I was arguing with myself going, don't tell the story. Yes, tell the story. Don't tell the story. Yes, tell the story. I didn't tell you the story. You'll have to ask someone from first hour. But we're going to pick up the rest of this passage next week. So uh, third point hasn't been brought up yet. Okay, that's what I want to let you know. So next week is, uh, it's either going to be understanding the Holy Spirit and the will of God, or it'll be understanding the Holy Spirit. We'll see. I was going to start Jude on June 6th. But maybe we'll start on the week after. We'll see. We'll trust the Lord. We'll trust the Lord for that. All right. So take these cards. June 6th is coming. We're going to go back inside. And we're not going from the the tabernacle to the temple, okay? We're going from one building uh, place to meet to another place to meet. This has been great. That'll be great. Wherever God lets us meet, uh, it's going to be great. But we want to encourage you to be at church at least two services be in a class, be in worship, uh, and also make sure you pray for those that are serving out away from us this, sun, uh, this summer, uh, JP and Ali and others, but also find a place to serve here uh, as God gives you strength uh, to serve the Lord in any way that, that God has gifted you. All right, let's end with uh, Romans chapter 11. And again, we, and, you know, we live by the mercy uh, and on the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this just tells us how how small we are in God's sight, but also how significant it is that he would take notice of us and want to save us and and lead us. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.